so slightly Daily and nightly In little ways When everything stays Hello, pig floopers, and welcome back after a X amount of years hiatus to flooping the pig. I'm Brad Garoon. I'm here with Justin Houston and Kevin Ford because Adventure Time is coming back. And also, we never finished the show. So we're going to take care of both of those things um, over the next couple of months because we have a sh- uh, more time on our hands now because the world ended. So, Kevin, what's up? Not too much. Uh, like you said, for, for people who are listening to our archives on Enter the Real World, and thank you very much to Matt and Mike for hosting them. For you, it's going to feel like nothing happened at all because you're just getting this new episode after the last one aired. And by the way, with new episodes, we're just doing one a week, not our two-episode-a-week archive. But for us, it's been, I think, 2015, November 2015 is the last time we did an Adventure Time podcast. And, you know, at that time, like, Cartoon Network was being weird with when they would air them, just inconsistent. And then you had these mini-movies like we're discussing today. So I don't and, – and none of the comics sat well with us. So it totally makes sense going back to see why we fell off. But – no comics, all TV shows, and I'm very excited to make this a completed project again. It is funny that the, the way that we're coming back, because I remember when we tried to film, record the very last episode, and that was the episode that, that Brad flew off the handle and said he was quitting the show and was just destroying it on air. And we both meagerly said, well, will anything bring you back? And he very sarcastically said, a pandemic maybe, and hung up. And I have not spoken to him in five years. so. Silver linings and everything. I don't know how to respond to this slander. Every word is true. This is just nonsense. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're looking for a little positivity come from all this, that's what it took to get Brad Garoon back on the show. But we're back. And, you know, maybe there is a legal obligation element to this as well that we won't go deeply into. But we're um, we're committed to doing this. We've all actually seen the episodes, including me, which uh, I, I was a little disturbed that Kevin seemed to suggest I hadn't seen all the episodes recently i have i've seen them we all have it's all fresh in our minds and we're we're ready to go so today we're going to cover the first half of the miniseries stakes which is uh four episodes it, it was adventure time's first foray into miniseriesing um which they did twice more after that actually kind of three times more after that but really officially twice more after that uh, and we're going to handle the first four uh today um the first episode that Kevin will walk us through is called Marceline the Vampire Queen. That's right. So I guess as a reminder at this point, at the beginning of season seven, which we're in right now, end of season six, Princess Bubblegum about voted out of the Candy Kingdom and the King of Ooh is the new princess King of Ooh for the Candy Kingdom. Uh, so Marceline comes to PB in her cottage. She's living in with Kevin Butler and she doesn't want to be a vampire anymore. She wants to grow up and not be a screwed up young person. And she, and it just so happens that PB has this, this sciencey device to take the vampiric soul out of people. She's not tried it yet, but she performs it on Marceline and we see a dream where these five demonic souls leave her and she wakes up outside on a broken fence And in the middle of the night, we learn a vampire has bitten some livestock in a nearby village. And Finn and Jake are put on the case to solve who it was. And they, of course, think it is Marceline. And even she admits she's really not sure if it was her or not. Because, again, this is a new procedure, so they're still wondering if even it worked. And some villagers are seeing Jake and Finn chatting with her. And they tell the rest of the village that they're actually doing the vampire's bidding. And so they need to take care of Marceline themselves. 
But Finn and Jake, in the meantime, catch this vampire creature in the act of biting a cow and follow them near uh, to a nearby cave where there's a bunch of bitten livestock. And they chase it back to the village where Marceline has been tied up to a windmill to be exposed to the sun when it comes up. And the episode concludes with Finn running to try to save her before the sun gets to her because uh, she might still burst into flames because of the sun. So I want to know both of your guys' thoughts on the episode, and I'll start with Justin. But I also want to know, Justin, does this story of Marceline not wanting to be a vampire anymore, does that work for you? Do you think in the context of where Adventure Time is at this point, does that make sense for a story? Yes, um, for a lot of reasons. This was good This was good table settings, and I, I really like when a story shows multiple levels of motivation for a character that uh, she doesn't really explain the, the minor difficulties to bubblegum that's not really what it is for her uh it, it's more about like she's not growing up she's not she feels stunted and she feels damaged and just doesn't feel she just feels weird and off and she wants to do something about that um but we that's not what we see we see her having to deal with a single umbrella as the sun's overhead so it's a combination of things. It's little inconveniences, and it's also uh, this sort of bigger question of, uh, you know, uh, who am I and why am I doing this that we all sort of uh, go through. But I, I think they, they flesh out the purpose of it uh, about halfway through, and they start tying it to uh, her strongest previous relationship as we go through these episodes. We'll, we'll talk about it more. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really, it was an interesting time for this story too, because obviously Bubblegum's in a very different place than she is throughout the entirety of the series. She's very much in a sort of contemplative place as well, um, thinking about where she, uh, where she fits into the grand scheme of things. Um, so yeah, yeah, for that reason, I thought and it was, it was a good start and it had, it had a lot of, um, I loved the little funny side characters and all the names of the characters as well was great so uh yeah i i liked it a lot for a first episode and it ended on a anytime these episodes end the way they end you you don't have to wonder why they air them back to back because i think there's a rule that like you can't threaten to explode a main character on a children's cartoon show without immediately following it up um so uh that that that's probably why they had to air them all the way they aired them but yeah i liked it a lot uh brad what'd you think well, it's funny that you that you that you ended this talking about like uh, they maybe they couldn't kill Marceline or threaten to kill Marceline at the end because I remember back when we reviewed um, I forget what the episode's called it was one of like the mega episodes where a giant like root creature and Maja the Sky Witch attacked the Candy Kingdom and at the end of it Rupier guy died and did not come back for like years um, and when he came back you I don't wait are we do is, is that episode still to come when Rupier guy comes back I think or we, we just did in the last episode Cherry is Cherry Cream Soda when he comes back. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I yes. think we just covered it in the last episode. I think it's so, in the first five of the season. Okay, so that was five years ago. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it took it took a long time between those. And Justin was furious that they did this because his daughter was upset by it. I had a different. I also I agree with almost everything Justin just said about like the overarching arc um, for Marceline. Um, I think they do a. I agree they do a great job of down. We'll talk about it later when those episodes come up, probably in next week's episode. But um, they do a great job of explaining why she wants to be human or a, just a demon rather and why, or half human, half demon, I guess. And why 
she decides ultimately that that's not going to work in the uh, Take Her Back episode, which I think is the best episode of this uh, miniseries. I didn't love that it ended on a cliffhanger because I'm watching it now, um, you know, all at once. And I'm like, well, what's what's the point? We First off, we know she's not a vampire, so she's probably not going to die. And second, there's no cliffhanger. It's it's a it's a miniseries. It all aired at once. But uh, so that I thought that was a little bit lame, but I, I understand why they might have done that. Um, I also love the, the names of the uh, Justin mentioned this, but the names of the um, farm people, like the main guy who is I'm spoiling my my section later. But the main guy who was voiced by comedian Cal Kinane, his name is Cloud Dance, which has nothing to do with um, with who he is. And then later in the series, when the big uh, culmination, like the big battle happens seven episodes from now, he starts listing off the names of everyone else in his little village. And they're all ridiculous. And it's great. And then we also, like, uh, later on, I, I think in the next episode, we start getting um, flashbacks to Marceline's time living among humans, and they also have very funny names. So that was that was creative, too. Yeah, I think it was a good start. It's a bit of a slow burn in the beginning, um, but it also is a great counterbalance, counterweight, to what they end up doing in, the, in Checkmate, the seventh episode, when um, another character decides that they don't want to be a vampire also. I do like that one of them was, uh, he confused Sensei with Sandwich as one of the names. That's that's classic Adventure Time. Yeah, I like uh, to think that his name was Sandwich, but he was he was trying on something else. And there, and he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa no, 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 that's, that's not who you are. And he said something to the effect of, you don't know that I train Aikido. Um, so maybe he's trying to pivot away from this name to another name, but... Uh, the, the Kyle Canaan's character was not having any of it. Um, but I, um, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I like this one in terms of like all the miniseries that we go through, um, watching this one through, I, I liked the cohesiveness of the story. So it, I think the table setting here is super important for that. And it is, it is slower, but I, I kind of miss that in TV series where you just have or movies in general, where sometimes you just have a character walking or you just have a prolonged struggle that isn't just like a jump cut to them having survived it or whatever. Um, so I, yeah, I appreciate that about this. It's it, so the, I think one of the more interesting things we didn't really talk about it, but it's Marceline has been falsely accused of, um, you know, destroying the livelihood of this town, but we find out more in everything stays about what's actually going on. There's also uh, I like that there was a remark PB made to her about how, you know, even though that this procedure would turn Marcy mortal and she grow old, she says that she'll be the one to grow old with her and she'll eventually be the one to put Marcy to rest, which pays off in some way in in future parts of this as well. So I yeah, thought that was a nice line to throw in there. Just and ultimately like a very important line later on. Yeah, that's the really there's a lot of relationship building with Marcy and PB here, or at least a maybe I don't know if it's building, but a lot of deep look into how connected they are. Well, I think I think I don't want to talk about it too much now, but I think it's a <clears throat> I think the relationship is there, right? I mean, we get more in next week's we'll talk about it next week's episode with with Marceline learning to sort of let PB and the rest of the crew um, help her um, because she feels very isolated. But uh, ultimately, I, I think it's more understanding what her relationship with Bubblegum means for her sense of herself, uh, which is just super deep for a show like this. Yeah. All right. Well, part two is called Everything Stays, which is a series of flashbacks of Marceline. We don't get the payoff to the sun hitting her just yet. 
Uh, the first one is a very young Marceline with her mother discussing these crazy dreams she has, and her mom makes her feel at ease and sings a song to her called Everything Stays. We then jump to another flashback where she's with Simon, who is in the process of transforming into the Ice King, and he's making a video for Betty, and I believe this is the video we see all the way back in Holly Jolly Secrets. So we see that at this time. Uh, he's leaving Marcy behind, saying it's for her protection as he's going more mad and says he'll arrange for someone to come and watch over her. Another, The next flashback is an older Marceline who she has her axe base at this time. She stakes a laughing vampire called the Fool and sucks in their essence, inheriting his ability to float. Then later, she is trying to catch some prey in the forest and ends up catching a little girl in a bunny hat who is scared of Marcy's fangs, thinks she's a vampire, and warns her fellow family and and human beings at a picnic. They're all also wearing animal hats. Marceline tries to convince them she's not a vampire. They don't buy it. But later in the evening, she's playing along with a guitar side by side, one of their campfires. And that convinces them that she's okay. And she befriends the little girl with the bunny hat. And the humans decide to flee the area and invite Marceline to come with them. But vampires then begin to attack and she stakes them all, as well as this important vampire named the Hierophant or Hierophant, um, stakes him too, takes his essence, and she senses the vampire king coming and tells all the humans to flee. And then back in the present, we learn she was able to survive the sunlight and that PB's cure did end up working. And Jake wakes up back in the cave to discover that those five souls that we saw leaving her in the dream are now full-bodied beings and include the vampire king and the Hierophant and the fool. Also worth mentioning that during the Hierophant fight, they make note of Marcy's healing abilities and that she got them from the moon character who's amongst the vampire King's court. And I think this is and correct me if wrong. This is the first time they mention that they're wearing the animal hats is to trick vampires into thinking that they're either humans or to protect them from being bitten. Yeah. I mean, we've never seen anyone else. Well, we saw um, Susan strong wear it before, but yeah, I think this is the origin of, of that tradition. So what do you and- think, Brad? So it's, I liked it. Um, the Empress thing, I'll get into it next week. <clears throat> not Sorry, not the Empress thing, the moon thing. Um, there's some plot holes around it, um, nitpicky ones, but um, the healing and, and, and all that comes back a little bit later uh, as a bit problematic if you're a dork like me. But um, in general, I, I love the flashbacks. I like that we got this um, <clears throat> look into the human past and why Finn might wear hat like this it actually this stuff becomes important for the series finale for what up until now has is the series finale um going away on a boat uh that kind of thing and also for the islands um miniseries coming up that's pretty cool um i i kind of if you have ron funches uh do a voice ron funches has such a great voice um to have him do so little seems off to me um, but I guess, you know, it's a short show. So I'm making his face look like a butt is pretty funny. Hearing him say the word butt is funny. But yes. I want I just I don't know. I wanted more. And and like later on, we get a ton of Hierophant, who is interesting from like a vampire joke or vampire trope uh, uh, point of view, because he's like an old school vampire who abides by old school rules. And uh, there's a lot of like jokes to be made off of that. But um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I dug the fool and could have used a little more of him. Um, he, he's in it very briefly. Um, but I, yeah, I liked the episode quite a bit. 
Justin, what did you think? Yeah, that's a that's always a flaw when one of these shows, uh, when when anything, uh, when your your conquering hero defeats someone, any reaction is oh, like because you're now you don't get to see them anymore. So it it, it sort of it can take the wind out of your sails because I felt the same way, just not enough of the pool that that they were the first one, sort of uh, to to uh, you know when we got introduced to them and they were just gone. I thought oh well that's 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 a bummer that the, that that happened and it just it it, it they just don't spend. We don't spend a whole lot of time um, with the fool. is a uh, is a bummer indeed. But this episode accomplishes a lot, and it is a good thing that it's a this whole thing is a mini series. It is important because this. I don't think it works as a standalone episode. You need all those. You need what came before it, and now it sets up what this entire series is going to be. Whereas the first episode doesn't really do that. It really just sets up Marcy's motivations and, and puts all the players in place. This episode tells you what this is. This is going to be a, uh, this is going to be a big vampire fight or, uh, you know, like a kill bill esque situation where they're going to have to deal with these things. Um, and it becomes much more literal than that. But even after mm-hmm. seeing it, you go, okay, I, I, I get what this is going to be. You know, they're going to, going to have to take these things down, which is sort of uh, classic, like samurai storytelling deal but um i i like this i like this episode a lot i like the seriousness with which jake takes uh the you know this this terror and the face that he makes all of the animation stuff uh because i've been going through and watching um stuff on disney plus uh like the old spider-man series like going through the simpsons and things like that and the animation's you know great but comparatively the way these characters are drawn and the way they emote and the way they're uh their their faces stretch when they're afraid um, is really something. And this was uh, this was a really cool ending to this episode. The shot of him in mortal terror of these creatures was really cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I probably this I don't want to say the weakest episode of the bunch, but the one that um, it just it needed the one that needed to be told, and you get past it, and you get to the other sort of the other stuff. I, I thought it was interesting that this is more or less just one episode of strictly flashbacks and a little bit in the present, but I like how it was done. I like the presentation and seeing Marcy in her formative years before becoming a vampire. And is this the confirmation that Marcy is basically, or maybe is the only vampire on Ooh at this point? Yeah, I think so. I think as far as, as far as she knows, otherwise, you know, she would have, um, you know, taken them all out. So yeah. And, and that's true. We, we, yeah, we do get confirmation of that. Um, just because uh, pr- preservation of the species, sort of that line, sort of um, it tells us what, what what we need to know about that. But also, I, I think the importance of this, the, the point of this whole series, is wrapped up in that very short conversation we get with with Marceline and Simon. That this is um, this is an understanding of what Simon went through in another version of that. This is, uh, and we get more sort of clear distinct lines drawn to that as this as this progresses can we talk a little bit about the song that's in this episode so rebecca sugar comes back uh to the show after leaving it to run steven universe and and sings this song everything stays which pretty much sums up a lot of like marceline's anxieties around being the person who witnesses how how changes but never changes um I cannot listen to the song without getting emotional. 
It is a fantastic song. Yeah, it definitely feels like a very weighty song. So I definitely understand why you would feel emotionally each time listening to it. Yeah, Amy and Danny immediately started because they they watched this whole thing with me. They immediately started singing it because they listened to the Adventure Time, like at several of their albums on Spotify. So, uh, yeah, they, you know, it's, um, it is a a very, um, it's a very affecting song, not just in, in the, the lyrics and the poignancy, but in, in the performance of it, there's a lot of emotion there. So I, I, yeah, I thought it was great. Any other notes before we move on to part three? No, the only other thing I can think of is just, um, how similar I found in, in, in kind of a strange way, um, teenage or, or, or Marcy, what Marcy, the vampire hunter to Finn. I found their, their pursuits, um, and their their sort of personality at that time, sort of playful and aloof still, um, but but serious when it came to the mission. You know, um, I, I thought that was kind of interesting too, to to see that side of Marceline that comes out throughout the series because she's very much just an agent of chaos in the beginning, um, and to to see Marcy in a place where she has a that's the Marcy that I think is interesting throughout the series is when we see her again later on, again and again and again, except when she's paired with like LSP it's always purposeful and it's always a, you know, it's always a reminder and a, that this is a character that has lived a very, very long time, but still cares about things. They could be big things or very minute things like a, like a stuffed bear. Um, but they do matter. Um, and so seeing her in that element, I thought was, um, really cool. Yeah. I also think this episode actually pairs really well with the emphasize episode. Um, just because it, it adds another bit of, yeah, we get some like comedy around Simon slash Ice King, but also um, a bit of like just, you know, more of what he's been through. And like Justin, like you said, um, <clears throat> how that colored Marceline um, and how when she started going through her transformation, um, how what she saw happen to Ice King probably colored how she thought of herself. You know, seeing him lose his humanity. I think throughout this, we find like she never really did lose her humanity, but she probably thought she did because she spent all this time with a guy who absolutely did when he was transforming into something else. Yeah. I feel like maybe she forfeited it in a way at times. Like it's, it's that purposeful. Well, um, I can't grow. I can't attach to anything anyway. So what's, what's the, what's the point of getting attached? And it was almost, um, it was purposeful. And then, you know, to, to go into their relationship, there's a connection to bubblegum, but it doesn't. And here, here's a person that can, last as long as i do but it, it doesn't work out and that's that's a bummer as well so everything is sort of um everything's fleeting so you i think ever people do that in in real life i know i've been in situations where it's i'm you're afraid of that connection ending so you you end it you know um and so yeah i think that she self-inflicted a thing that maybe was inflicted on simon over time i think that's a good call about showing how similar her and Finn are too. Cause I think that speaks a lot to why Finn. I'm never, he gets some mad at her sometimes, but it seems like by and large, they get along and he's not afraid of her. Like the same way Jake is distrustful and afraid of her at times, they get along much better. And I think it's because they do have that sort of, of that similarity deep down. So that's a good call. All right. So part three is vamps about, as we said, the vampire King and his court have been revived and, uh, the plan is for the to try to get vampires to inhabit the land once again. Aside from the fool from the vampire king, they separate. 
Jake has seen their whole meeting because he's been hiding from them under a leaf. He shrunk down and he goes to tell Finn and PB what he saw in their plan. Um, and he gives Marceline and Finn a lift to PB's because the vampiric effluvium, as they call it, out of Marceline's missing. So she's getting used to not being able to float. Uh, Pep Butt is doing some perp drawings uh, based on the descriptions of Jake, and she recognizes the Vampire King, and that triggers the flashback of their fight where she stakes him and he bites her. Uh, Peppermint Butler has this super garlic bomb and a collection of stakes that they will go as a group to try to combat the king and his court. And then uh, Marcy decides that she's going to fight them on her own and sends them back, uh, especially when (laughs) she sees the men drop the garlic bomb. And she finds the vampire king and the fool in this invisible shelter they've made for himself. She stakes the fool with ease and inherits his essence. And the king gives her this warning that the empress is on her way to the land of ice and snow. And Marcy, fearing for Simon, starts to head to the ice kingdom as this episode ends. And we get the nice X out of the fool. So very Kill Bill style. She now has these five souls that she is going to or five vampires rather that she has to kill. And that kind of gives us the goal and purpose for the rest of the mini series. What did you, and uh, not very much fooling this either, Brad, definitely a, a letdown of uh, Ron Funch's use here. So I'm starting to starting to see what you mean when you, when you mention it like that, but Justin, what did you think? I like this one a lot. And this was, I forgot it happened so early and thank God you're, you're so good at summarizing these episodes. Cause um, I would have, it would take me like four times as long <laughs> just to summarize these things. Um, I, uh, it's, it's the scene on the boat that really, um, drives home what that, what the whole point of this, uh, series is. And, uh, he has a line and God help me. I, I'm not going to get it exact. And Brad's a nerd. He's probably going to know exactly what, what, what line I'm talking about and know what the line is. Um, but it, it mirrors what she has become mirrors something that Simon says when he leaves. The idea is that he had to have these abilities to protect her and now to protect them he has to he has to go um because he's a is a, a danger her it, it's when they're fighting in the air on the boat and he says something that verbatim is said to simon you know what do you remember what that exactly is brad no no but i you summed up the essence of it pretty well yeah it, it was something like uh th- this these powers are making you crazy or something like that it's making you crazy because that was the uh, that was the, the song that Marceline sang. That was a lyric that she sang about Simon, uh, or not? It wasn't a lyric. It was just a, a thing that she wrote to him that they turned into a song. Um, and it was the, the commentary that she make. This is making you go crazy. It's this power that she feels she needs. She has to do this. This thing to protect people, um, and it's sort of blinding her to the effect that she keeps getting warned about that it is having an effect on you. Um, so I really liked that a lot and I, I'd kind of forgotten about it when I, or maybe I never noticed it as I was going through these episodes. I thought, Oh, this is, this is her going, I don't understand why you're doing this. Simon. And then she has to live it. <clears throat> She's forced to go through that herself on what, what it means to, to have the responsibility of protecting a lot of people and the, um, the fallout that, that, that comes with the consequences that comes with that responsibility, uh, was, I thought it was really good, and yeah, it was a bummer that we only got a, a few seconds of <laughs> a few whiffs of of Ron Funches as the fool once again. I watched this episode, so I watched the first four episodes a couple weeks ago, and then the most recent four uh, earlier today. <clears throat> so I don't I don't remember anything about this episode 
really, except for the fight on the boat, which which was great. And also because you see the moment that Marceline became a vampire for the first time, which is just cool from a lore standpoint. Um, so I can't speak too much about it, except that there's um, there's a cool, uh, I mean, I'll talk about it later, but there's a, there's a very <clears throat> big time guest voice in this one that, that sticks around to the next one too. But I, I have much more to say about, uh, about the next episode. There's, I was, the fight itself is really funny because it it comes back, I think, one or two more times that Marceline kind of, you think you're going to get a big speech from the, like, from the Vampire King and he gets cut off with like a sucker punch, (laughs) which which is always pleasing when you think someone's going to soapbox and they just get knocked off immediately and they have to dust themselves off and step back up the box. Um, Adventure Time is really good about doing that. It happens again, like, I think near the end of this series with another fight. Um, in, in a very similar manner where she just sort of goes for the sucker punch. Um, but there was a lot of good comedy stuff in there. Like one of the funniest moments throughout the throughout this whole series was the, the prolonged segment of Jake trying to describe these five vampires and oh, only yeah. Amazing. moderately being successful in one. <laughs> and by the third one, you realize he's going to do all of them. And you just sit back. And that was the one that just it got funnier and funnier. Uh, as it as it went on, and then the slapstick stuff with the garlic bomb, as as you mentioned, Kevin, was great. Where they break it, and Pepput runs in, and he slides on it, goes crashing into them, and she's like, "Just go back to the cabin." And Peppermint or, or uh, uh, PB's like, "Maybe that's a good idea." And they're just like disoriented and rubbing their eyes, and they're covered in this garlicky sauce. Um, so great, uh, and uh, and it shows how obviously you know how serious she is taking this. Uh, that she can't even abide by their shenanigans. She just says, go back. I will take care of this. What What were some of the, uh, the one I, I'm trying to remember, like some of the descriptions that Jake gave to Pepput, but one of them was like, and, but they all, and they all kind of work, right? Like you can wrap your head around how how he would say like, Hierophant was what? Like a, a, a wet a, uncle or something. A wet like uncle, right? Yes, like the wet yes. uncle is the one I remember the most. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the the Vampire King was like something between two loaves of bread, right? Which works when you try. And yeah, and he's clear like, from it. He's like these know, are these. This is like what the animators had in mind when they designed these characters. And and it was just enough. No, that's not it. That when you see the Vampire King, he's like, no, that's not it. Actually, it does kind of look like him. It works. It just it perfect timing by that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, everyone's a wet uncle now. So yeah, good. everyone is a wet uncle now. <laughs> Well, Brad, you want to talk about the Empress Eyes, so let's get into it. And actually, the opening scene reminded me a lot of you because the Ice King has bad dreams about the Lemon Grab people, and I highly suspect you have in the past as well. I just don't like them. They're gross. Uh, yes, that is, that has been a contentious point between you and Justin throughout. They're doing show. their best. <laughs> We're continuing as we go on. They're basically uh, Cronenbergs. They're the worst. Uh, gosh, yeah. Cronenberg's a hard one to watch. Anyways. The Empress shows up. Ice King has no memory of her, though it's obvious they have some sort of past, which is confirmed when Empress reads out of Ice King's diary later. The Empress, she has like this covering over her eyes, and she pulls it up to hypnotize the Ice King with her eyes and demands that he brings her the blood of Finn because the, the blood of the Gunters will not do. Well, Finn and Jake are still at PB's cabin. They're taking turns keeping watch of vampires to come as PB is inside working on a weapon to freeze the vampires. Um, Marcy back at the, at the ice kingdom is about to sneak up on the Empress when ice King returns with Finn 
And as Ice King is chasing her and Finn, Marcy tells the Ice King that the reason she became a vampire hunter in the past is because of him. We see a flashback where there's a human she thought was Simon, kind of looked like him from behind, uh, was getting attacked by a vampire, him and her husband. And she staked that vampire and realized that ultimately if she was protecting humans in general from vampires, it would help and, and protect Simon in the long run. Ice King doesn't remember any of that either. He puts Finn and Marcy in ice handcuffs, but he won't kill them, even though the Empress tells him to. That causes them to bicker, giving Finn the chance to break them free and Marcy to use Ice King to freeze the Empress. Uh, from inside the ice, she tries to put Ice King in an even deeper trance, but as it turns out, he was never hypnotized to begin with. He was just going along with it because he uh, he likes her like he likes all ladies. And Marcy gets enraged with the Empress when she intimates that Ice King was at his happiest when he was serving her. They get into a fight. Uh, fortunately, Princess Bubblegum is able to inter- intercept and save the day with the new freezeway. Freezes Empress Midair. Marcy stakes her, inherits her essence, and then agrees that it is probably for the best if she teams up with PB Jake and Finn and to take out all the other vampires. And Empress is crossed off, two down, three to go, and sends Brad. You were uh, have a lot to say. I will let you go first on the Empress eyes. Well, I was thinking that when I was watching this today, I was like, man, if the gender roles were reversed between Ice King and the Empress, this would be the darkest storyline in Adventure Time. Because that line, he was most happy when he was serving me. Imagine if if it's the the Vampire King saying that about about Marceline. Like, what's the implication when a when a dominant male is is Jessica Jones. It's Jessica Jones. That's exactly right. So Ice King got Jessica Jones, then let's not diminish that. Um, So that's that's the dark bit. One thing that I realized watching this that I'd never thought of before, I was like, Marceline's not one of my favorite characters. I wonder why that is. Like sometimes I like her storylines. Something about her characterization bothers me. And I realized that, so there's a lot of times when she's trying to sound cool and it's clearly a defense mechanism. But when she does, she says things that make it sound like, She's doing finger guns. So, like, what did she say in this episode? It was, um, oh, it was after uh, Bubblegum rescued her. She says, uh, all right, guys, I know I said I wanted to do this alone, but we can do it team style. And I could just, like, see her doing finger guns. When she, and she talks like that all the time with the vocal fry and slowing it down. And I can't stand it. And I think it's um, it's a tick that that they have the character do that I, I, I think it'll be interesting to... to watch going forward if they have her stop doing that now that she's gone through this whole tumult. Yeah, I, I well, no, I see, I, I read it as that's part of the persona that she's cultivated, aloof, that everything's aloof. But you're right, after this episode, she seems to be making this concerted effort to care about stuff. She has the context, of, but we'll get more to that next week. Um, but there's, a, you know, stuff matters now, like in a way that maybe it didn't before, Un, you know, related to her. That's the thing is that in the past, it's mostly just stuff related to her that matters. And maybe there's a broader sort of bigger picture that's opening up for her and, and maturing and, and having that context. But I just, I always took it as just that cultivated personality of I'm always chill. You can't get me down. Everything is, you know, everything's always, you know, fine or whatever. It's just, just trying to be cool. And I think that's why I, I um, like the characters because sometimes I don't like the character. I don't like that. That's her attitude. I don't like that that's her, the way she approaches things and the way that she, um, does something wrong and almost wants, you know, 
wants people to apologize to her for doing the wrong thing. That that sort of character can can kind of be grating, but um, uh, her performance of being so aloof um, can be uh, frustrating in this. But it, it it works okay here because her intentions, no matter what, uh, her intentions here are sit, gotta save Simon, and that's that's the best version of Marcy is always doing it for Simon. It's a really interesting relationship. I also kind of wish that at some point in the show. We'd, I mean, look, it's it's some not always show, don't tell. Sometimes you leave stuff to the imagination. But I kind of wish we'd seen a little bit of like what it did to Simon to be kidnapped and, um, you know, living under vampire rule. Because we don't have that much um, about Simon's like interim time between getting the crown, leaving um, Marceline and becoming Ice King. That's true. And that may that, that may have been another may have been another reason because we don't get a lot of that, but that's, we do get a small, we do get an explanation as to why she started, you know, hunting vampires and and protecting people because it was like protecting him. But maybe that was a catalyst for him leaving is that he felt maybe he agreed not to wear the crown and the crown. And then suddenly he's taken over by this vampire and made a slave and she has to go rescue him. And he's like, "I, I made this little girl rescue me. Who knows? Right. But like you said, sometimes it, it, you know, it's just your imagination has to fill in the gaps. And I kept, I felt a little gaslighting at times because I was like, wait a minute, when was this episode? Hang on. And I'm, I'm thinking back, I'm like, no, 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 it was an episode. And then they referenced it again. And I'm like, no, it was an episode. There was a, uh, no, 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 no. It's not. It a, definitely it, was not. No. no, it was not. Yeah. It's not I, at I, all. And, uh, and, and it's interesting too because there's, there's all this, I feel like there's all this time that, that we could have, have spent doing this and there are episodes that it's it's weird like the way the show's the way the show works especially in the later seasons sometimes we get episodes like president porpoise is missing so that i forget the the, the storyboard artist's name who does those kinds of episodes like with the animations a little bit simpler uh, aside from orgalorg which is a big one that he did a lot of them anyway we get episodes like that which are ultimately meaningless to the to the overall story of the show where it probably would be more interesting to to see a little bit of like Simon, uh, you know, leaving Marceline for reasons that we didn't expect or we didn't really even know. Um, I don't know. Well, it didn't happen. No use. No use complaining about it now. Well, it 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 hasn't happened yet. Well, we we already know sort of what the new stories are going to be. The four new stories. Well, these new stories. Who yeah. says there isn't going to be more? Right. Maybe HBO Max will bring a renaissance to the show. We'll, we'll see. <sighs> um. Brown, were you thinking of Sam Alden as the storyboarder? I wasn't. Um, I definitely Osborne? know Ken Osborne. That's the one. There was two of them. I took a I took a shot and I missed. <laughs> and I think it's Ken Osborne. Um, while I say this thing, the next this next thing, I'm going to Google it. But uh, I also thought this episode was really interesting because it was the first time I think that the vampires we see like the extent of their power in a threatening way. So like Empress hypnotizing people, that's putting them in her thrall. That's a that's a big scary deal, and Next week, we'll talk about Hierophant and Moon, who both are, in their own ways, kind of terrifying, especially Moon. Uh, this is the yeah. first hint that, like, these guys aren't just jokes. I I, re- I really like Empress as a character, and I do really wish and hope that we'll get expounded more on that Simon backstory. It does get a little annoying just from time to time for I don't remember to be the catch-all for a lot of the Ice King's things, especially when we're interested in them. Unless they do show us some of those things, then it is interesting. Yeah. 
just to confirm, it is Ken. You were right, Kevin. On your second try, it is Ken Osborne who does. There we go. And that's a well. That that's the first half of stakes, and we'll do uh, the the second half next week. Yeah, um, I guess real quick we'll run through. We're back, so we have our tropes. Our gimmicks are back. So let's do. Let's do our gimmicks. I'll I'll go first. Um, uh, Cameos. Uh, So just to refresh everyone's memory, although your memory doesn't really need to be refreshed because you're listening to this probably after listening to the last episode. But we don't really do um, voice actors like E. Bradley Baker or Maria Bamford because they're, despite the fact that they're amazing, they're in so much of the show. Uh, Just the fact that they use small voices so often, they're not really cameos. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, Kyle Kinane was the voice of Cloud Dance, the farmer. Uh, Marceline's mom is Rebecca Sugar, the former storyboard artist on Adventure Time, and I guess now former a showrunner for Steven Universe. Ron Funches was the fool, as we mentioned. Paul Williams, who is a songwriter, and um, if you saw the movie Baby Driver, he's in that. Uh, he was Hierophant. Two Bread Tom. Uh, I, I'm, I'm only mentioning this because I like the name Two Bread Tom as uh, the leader of the humans in Marceline's flashbacks. Uh, was voiced by Tom Kenny, who voices Ice. Rebecca Romaine is the Empress. That's a huge, as, I mean, at one point she was considered huge, um, Mystique and, you know, John Stamos is his wife. Um, and then uh, Billy Brown was the Vampire King. What a beautiful voice this guy has. Apparently he was on Dexter. I don't remember him from Dexter. Not remembering Dexter is a, your brain doing you a big favor. I like the first four seasons of that show. Yeah, season four is incredible. And then, boy, oh boy, the nosedive of nosedives. Season five, uh he was he was a ghost all along. It's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and very easy to predict like one or two episodes in. I didn't. But uh, I think it was just because I so wanted Edward James almost to not be a figment to someone's imagination. One of my favorite things, I think it was like AV Club, like during the recap of episode two, was like, okay, can I just say like what's happening? Because I don't even feel like it's a spoiler. It's really, it was really well written when they were just like, I'm just going to come out and say it because this is definitely what's happening. Anyways, yeah. uh, what? so what I do is I cover where the snails are in every episode. There is a hidden snail in every episode of Adventure Time, and I put that with a, an asterisk because there are a couple guest ones. But by and large, every episode, the snail appears. And even in this sort of eight-part episode thing, the snail appears in every single bit. So in Marceline the Vampire Queen, he is on the lower left side of the screen when in the evening they're all investigating in the farm, trying to figure out what went on. And everything stays. He, the snail is at the campsite next to a girl in a pig hat when the bunny girl comes to warn them. Vamps about there next to a jar on a shelf in PB's cabin uh, when uh, – I think it's the morning after when – like the. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's later. But anyways, it's just on a jar on a shelf in PB's cabin. And the Empress Eyes, it's in the Ice King's – kingdom uh near the bars in the very beginning when the empress is talking to him and that's the snails for this week's episodes how many did you actually see did you find during the episodes and how many did you have to so i find all of them when i watch the episodes i i i do not look online that's sort of my my vow to myself i think that's since when that wasn't that wasn't how you did it before is it no, it absolutely was i i would rewatch episodes rather than look them up online to find the snails Uh, a couple of them were pretty easy. It, he appears very small in a lot of these uh, episodes, too. So it was uh, very hard to find him. But once you get that knack for when to look for him, it becomes definitely a little easier. So I love that you're assuming it's gender. Uh, I th- OK, you're right. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> How about I do some plugs then? Great. So, yeah. So you're listening on The Real World, the new home for this. New episodes of this come out every week. If you miss somehow 
our big 60 episode archive. Go listen to that. Myself and Jerome Cusan also do a Breaking Bad podcast that comes out monthly on here. Season five, part one, just dropped when you're listening to this. And I have two completed podcasts, one about Lost and one about Veronica Mars, also on this website. And you can follow me on Twitter at KFord13. Brad. Um, I made a romantic comedy scripted podcast, kind of like a radio play. It's it's probably done, um, but you never know. It might come back, but we gave it kind of an ending. It's called Too Old to Date. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher, anywhere. It's everywhere. Um, and I, I, I think it's, you know, decent to, to kind of good. So please check it out. Well, I do a podcast with Kevin, Viva Chikar. We do it together. It's about Chikar Pro. We also we do that. And I also have a, a Twitter account. It's at Justin J. Houston. That's all I do. Those two things. Oh, yeah. You can also you can look at my Twitter account at Garoongate, but I, I'm just yelling at people. So not you're still it. at Garoongate? Yeah. Why would I change it? I don't know. I just people think I it's just, a Watergate reference. I'm not. <laughs> that's fine with me. Uh, yeah. I think you can close the episode now, Brad. Oh, I close it. Oh, um, guys, this is this was fun. I'm glad we're doing this again. Um, we'll be back next week with more of stakes. And then um, um, unless something goes horribly wrong, we'll be back the week after that with some um, non miniseries episodes and so on until we get through whatever HBO Max has planned for us. So thanks for hanging out with us. Um, and how do I sign this off? Flooping the pig? Thanks for flooping the pig. Thanks. And thanks for flooping the pig. Thanks for flooping the pig. I flooped the pig.